Do you by chance? Okay, okay. Do you by chance follow the account? I think they're on. They're probably on TikTok too, but I follow them on Instagram. Uh, there, I ruined yes. it. Yes. Yes. Did you did. see the one recently where they did uh, Thriller and it was like a <laughs> it bluegrass? Was bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't half bad, dude. Oh god, I love that channel. It wasn't half bad. Oh, it's they all sound good the way yeah. they do it. And oh, you're yeah. like, oh, oh no, there's been a couple that sound were good. terrible, but on purpose. I mean, they were they were you know, yeah. they were trying to ruin it. They oh did god, it. I love it. Yeah, I love it so no, much. the bluegrass thriller was actually really good. <laughs> Welcome to the Greatest List Podcast, a show about music and lists. This season, your hosts Jason and Eric are counting down the top 25 guitar solos of the 80s and the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s. Think your favorite made the list? Tune in and find out. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Greatest Lists, a music and talk podcast featuring lists of the greatest songs of all time. I'm Eric, your host for this, the final episode of our show. Um, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that a couple of weeks ago, my regular sidekick and co-host Jason passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And to be quite honest, I, at the time, I was not planning to finish the show at all. I, ha- I actually had uh, three episodes in the can with already recorded with Jason, and we, I had no plan to, to produce those or to even finish the list. But... Um, I felt like with some encouragement from some people at the Retro Network and just my own thoughts about Jason, I figured Jason would want me to finish the list. And so here we are finishing the list with our final three songs. But I'm not here alone. If you've been, if you had any experience at all with our parent group, the Retro Network, you've probably seen or heard this guy or even read some of his content. He's the co-founder, if you will, uh, along with Jason of the Retro Network. I have young Mickey Yarber with me here on the show. How's it going, Mick? It's going well. It's been a long time since I've sat in the podcast seat, so I'm excited. <laughs> and full disclosure, I put I put Mickey on the, on the bit of a spot um, on the hot seat with this. I, um, if you've listened to any of the bonus shows that I've done where I'm talking by myself and there's no co-host, it sounds very... Uh, very like I, I feel, since it sounds like I'm reading on the audible book and I'm talking to nobody it's very not natural and so I wanted somebody to bounce all the information off of and uh, plus it's just it's just better when we do a conversation with this kind of stuff that was probably my favorite part of the show with Jason was just the conversations we'd have on the mic and off the mic and so I asked Mickey to jump in and without hesitation Mickey said he would join us so mickey i appreciate it oh you're very welcome and thank you for inviting me well so like i said we have the top three songs left in the list and uh if you if you're a regular listener you know the format of our the regular format of our shows um but since we have we actually have four songs to cover because we have co-number one songs so uh since we have four songs, we're gonna we're going to uh, put aside our regular format of the show and just cover our four songs and talk a little bit about them and uh, take it from there. So, when last we left you, we left you with number f- with our number four song, 
So now we're up to number three, and our number three song in the top 25 guitar solos of the 80s belongs to Eddie Van Halen and Michael Jackson. This is Beat It. So the original guitar parts on this song uh, belong to a guy named Steve Lukather of Toto fame. We've actually featured Steve uh, in both our 90s list and earlier in our 80s list for, for some solos that he played for Richard Marks. Um, to start with, uh, Quincy Jones, who was producing the Thriller album, where this, of course, where this song came from, had a hard time getting a hold of, of Eddie Van Halen because Eddie Van Halen thought somebody was pranking him. And so uh, it took, uh, if I remember right, it took, uh, it took Quincy Jones four times to finally get Eddie on the phone. Um, and so, and, and, and Eddie, uh, of course, Eddie's part of Van Halen. And at the time, the band had kind of an unwritten agreement amongst the four of them that they would not contribute any music to anybody else's albums. They would just keep it in house and and not and not play on any play or sing or do anything for anybody else's albums. Um, but when Quincy Quincy called Eddie and finally talked to him talked to him and 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 invited him to come play, uh, and these are Eddie's words. Uh, Eddie said, "You know, the band, the rest of the band was out of town. He was the only one in Los Angeles at the time. Everybody was on vacation or doing something, and he was the only one in town." He goes, "I thought to myself." Who's going to hear this Black Kids album anyway? I might as well do it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, welcome to Thriller, Eddie. <laughs> so the story goes that uh, when Quincy, uh, Quincy invited Eddie into the studio and he, uh, he heard the track that he wanted uh, Eddie to play. Eddie heard the track that he was wanted, they were wanting him to play on. He didn't like what he heard. He didn't like the, the section of, of the song that he wanted to play over. And he asked Quincy, he said, do you care if I make some changes? And Quincy said, do whatever you want. Uh, and so Eddie had the producer and the engineer chop up the song, the, the solo section of the song. He, he just had him copy certain parts over and chop it in here and do this and rearranged it. Uh, and then in a matter of, of less than an hour, he had that chopped down and he improvised two solos over that section that he had put together. Um, and he was just finishing the second solo when Michael Jackson walked back into the studio. And in Eddie's own words, he goes, you know, artists are, are kind of crazy people. We're all a little bit strange. I didn't know how he would react to what I was doing. So uh, I warned him before he listened. I said, look, I made some changes to the middle section of your song. Uh, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you don't like it. He's, and Eddie continued by saying, "In my mind, he's either going to have his bodyguards throw me out, or he's going to, or he's going to like it." So Michael sat down, listened to the song, and turned to Eddie and said, "Wow, thank you so much for having enough passion for my song to change it, and not just lay down a, a guitar solo and walk out." Um, wow. And so literally within an hour, Eddie chopped up the middle of the song to, to arrange it the way he wanted it, laid down two, just two solos off the top of his head. And the one you hear in the song now is the second one that he laid down. 
And that's how that became <laughs> the solo for Beat It. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, I've got three thoughts. Okay. One, it I love stories like this when he said he thought somebody was pranking him. It always <laughs> seems like somebody who is famous yeah. can't believe that another famous person <laughs> is calling them. Right? I mean, you hear these Isn't stories all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I love hearing those stories. Yeah. And two not just music but it seems to happen a lot more music that kind of talent to just create on the spot and not just create something but to create something that we're talking about today yes what is it 40 40 years now when that album come out in 83 82 82 yeah so 41 years so to pop off something like that off of your head yeah that a you know that's going to last eons as long as music is around right sure so that's impressive yeah and my third thought was has it ever been released you you talked about him moving stuff and chopping it up and changing it has the original before he touched it ever been released yes yes you can hear that if you well i say you still can in the past you've been able to look that up on youtube um and hear and what it was before was it was it was just one chord just playing over and over and over, um, and Eddie didn't like that there wasn't you know a, a chord progression that he could play over because that's how most songs are. There's a chord progression for a solo, and you just play over that chord progression. He didn't, and that's why he changed it because there was just one chord. Um, but yeah, you can find it. I, I mean, I've heard it. It's it's nothing. I mean, it's not anything earth shattering. It's just you know, ah. a chord, but. But yeah, you can hear it, and it sounds vastly different. Um, I would I would venture to say that he made that song what it is because of the changes he made. Well, so. actually, that brings on a fourth thought then. So if they had a kind of a gentleman's agreement to not contribute to anything else, yeah. what was the eventual reaction when this, you know, who's going to hear this black kid's song anyway? What, what was the eventual reaction when it... You know, I, don't know that I don't know that I've ever, I mean, I know that they were, they were mad at him for doing it because literally all he got paid for it was, uh, just his name on the, on the recording. He didn't get paid to do that. Hmm. And, uh, so I know that they were mad. I know that there was some, no, I don't, don't want to say mad, but you know, they were upset with him for breaking the, the, uh, agreement. But, uh, I mean, how can you be mad at that? I mean. <laughs> I mean, after 40 years, how can you still be mad at that? So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but back to what you were saying about how somebody can just record something that, you know, off the top of their head like that. Um, you know, when, when guitar players write solo, they actually write solos. They, you know, and, and, and especially in, in my experience, I can tell you in the, in the past when I've recorded, I, I know what I'm going to play for a solo when I'm when I go into the studio to record I sit down I practice it I lay it out I know what I'm going to play I don't just go into a studio and just you know bang something out and I'm done with it most guitar players write a solo they don't just pull one out of their rear ends so to speak um but what you can also find on YouTube is the solo track of of Eddie playing, you could hear just his solo, not all the other music around it. 
And when you listen to it, you really get the feel for how off the cuff and how just off the top of his head that entire solo is. You know, he didn't sit because he he had never heard it. He'd never heard this song or this section of music before he walked into that studio and chopped it up and put it in the in the in the in the order that he wanted. And you can you can hear how off the cuff and just off the top of his head this solo is. And for him to only do two takes and then be done with it, and then that's what you have. That's what you hear in the song. Is is that right there? Is uh, it just blows my mind. And Steve yeah. Lukather, the, the the session guitar player, he was a session guitar player for most of Thriller. He cor- he corroborates that story that that um, you know it wasn't like he had heard it for a couple of days beforehand and put something together. He walked in, chopped it up, pl- laid down two solos, and he was done. And that's this is what you get a song that like just like you said, it's going to stand the test of time for you know for eons, and it's still around forty years later, and it's played on TV and extent on satellite and radio. And he did that in less than an hour. Just that's just incredible. I know it just it just it blows me away to think that that's you know and and the other part that blows me away still when I, th- I I giggle when I think about it is when he says. Who's going to hear this Black Kids record anyway? I mean, <laughs> it just cracks me up. I mean, that he had no idea at the time. I mean, even then, at that time, Michael Jackson was a fairly big deal. I mean, right. The Jackson Five had been out. Off the Wall had been a huge success. Yeah, he's and, Tito's brother. <laughs> That's exactly right. It just it, it just makes me giggle when he when he when he puts it that way. Though. Who's going to hear this Black Kids album anyway? So. <laughs> He had no idea what the world was on the no verge of. No idea. None at all. So so uh, just just a couple of history points about this song. I remember it being on MTV, like, just nonstop. Just, I mean, it was on all the time. Um, And what what I remember about that is he... He's Wait, in the, MTV used to play music videos? It's true. I know it's hard to believe, but yes, they did at one time. Um, in the video, he's wearing this light blue shirt under this red leather jacket that has some like chain mail on the shoulders on the lapel. Um, and I cannot tell you how many people, especially in my junior high, were trying to emulate that look all the time. (laughs) I mean, it was just, and there was a, there was a, you know, just a, a slew of, of knockoff jackets and shirts that people were trying to, to uh, emulate for that, you know, that look in that video. Um, and I also remember that uh, the story going around about the video, that there were like 75 or 80 actual gang members in the video. Cause you know, if you, if you remember the video, it's two rival gangs that yeah. get to come together for a dance off. Um, but <laughs> like they all used to do, like they like like they're known to do. Um, but uh, apparently, when they first started filming the video, Michael Jackson didn't think it looked authentic enough, and so they actually went out and got like I think close to eighty gang members, actual gang bloods and crips, to come be part of the video. So the people that you see uh, in the video are actual bloods and crips gang members. Huh. And I, I just. I just find that 
terrifying. <laughs> they, I mean, but they, they kept the peace, though. It was like an at, early version of We Are the World. At any moment, those two groups could have just erupted. Because at that point, there had not been that famous Bloods and Crips peace agreement that happened in L.A., I think in like 84, 85. Um, and so at any moment, those two groups could have just exploded on one another. And Michael Jackson kept the peace. So wow. I know. Crazy, huh? So that's our number three song, uh, Beat It, from Michael Jackson and Eddie, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, which brings us to our number two song. It's from the band Living Color. This is Cult of Personality. So let me give you a little background about how Jason and I would rank songs in our countdowns. Um, okay. Let's let's take this list. So we were, we, we were, we were ranking the top 25 guitar solos of the eighties. And so Jason created this little spreadsheet and put 25 spots on it. And, um, one of us would go first and put a song in the 25th spot. And then the other person would put something in the 24th spot and we'd work our way up to number one. And we would, no one would pick number one. We would just agree on what it would be. So, you know, so we were, we're working our way up this list one by one. Uh, and of course I put, so number three, the, the, uh, beat it was my, was, was my choice. So I put that at number three, um, which in hindsight, I feel like it probably should have been number one, but that's just hindsight. Um, so I put number three, I put beat it at number three and we would do this online. And so, you know, there'd be a blank spreadsheet, but then I'd fill in a spot and then I'd see Jason fill in a spot. So you're watching this list fill up in real time online. Hmm. And I put number three, beat it on the list. And we were also chatting on Slack and he was like, Oh, good choice. And then all of a sudden he fills in number two and it's cult of personality by living color. And don't get me wrong. I love living color. They're, they're an incredible band. And I even, I even like their guitar player, Vernon Reed. I just didn't think that this song belonged in the number two spot on the great, you know, the top 25 guitar solos of the eighties. And so we, we, we had a, uh, a spirited discussion on, uh, can you, maybe we'll maybe put that down lower in the list and promote one of your other songs. And I just couldn't ever talk him out of it. He was like, this was one of his favorite solos. And, he just insisted that it stay at number two. And so this is why Cult of Personality from Living Colors at number two, because I couldn't talk Jason out of putting it up, putting it down lower and bringing the song up. So that's why we have uh, what I think of as an anomaly in, in of a guitar solo this high on the list is because Jason picked it out. Well, so. I was never much of an 80s music person. You've heard my stories and my dad's music and I grew sure. up traveling with him. So uh -huh. this wasn't my normal stuff. So I didn't really, I'd heard it a couple of times. I didn't really gain an appreciation for it or any real relationship to it until uh, CM Punk come along wrestling. Yes. <laughs> so now, and, and before he brought the song back, you know, in, in recent years yeah. when he was younger and wasn't known, so to speak, he was using it all the time then. And I, I thought then like being a lifelong wrestling fan, like that's an awesome song to come out to yeah, for wrestling. So it's been a part of my life since 
the very early 2000s because of CM Punk, <laughs> but so it funny. wasn't a part of my life in the 80s. Now, whether it belongs number two on the list or not, I'm not going to argue with Jason's choice. It's not my place to. It wouldn't be on my top 25 either. Right. But damn it, damn it is good though. Yeah. No, it's a great song, and I, you know, I've always loved like that. The album. So it came out. It, it's it's on their 1988 debut album, Vivid. And I have a high appreciation for that album. I've, I remember listening to it uh, constantly when it first came out. Um, this song and one one of the songs that was going to share our dual number one. Those these two songs were blaring out of a dorm room my freshman year in college on any given day. So I love this song. I just I just don't have the appreciation for the guitar solo that jason did um with with that said though at the 89 mtv music awards this song took home best stage performance uh best new artist best group video and it also won the grammy in 89 for the best rock performance uh so you know a bit of a hit <laughs> kind of a, yeah a little kind bit of a, kind of a big deal uh get guitarist vernon reed whose guitar style has been described as Eclectic and anarch and and, and uh, complete anarchy um, was voted the number sixty six was voted number sixty six on Rolling Stone's one hundred greatest guitarists of all time in twenty thirteen. Um, and he told Guitar Magazine in nineteen eighty eight that the solos that you hear in the song he nailed all of those on the first take, um, which. You know, in my <laughs> when I read that, I was like, "Well, if, if you didn't, how would anybody know?" I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Um, but he also during the song he employs a wah wah pedal to get that, that uh, to get that effect that he, that you hear on the solo. And in 2015, Guitar Magazine voted it the number 23 greatest wah wah solo of all time, <laughs> which. Keep that in mind because that that list comes back up here in about ten minutes. <laughs> so, um, uh, my my per, you know I've I've already given my my personal connection to the song is just I love the album. I've always loved the album. Um, I just I just have never really connected with Vernon Reed as a, as a guitar player. I think he's tremendous. He plays a lot of jazz and jazz fusion. Um, and if you've heard, if, if you listen to any of that from him, he is incredible. I'm, I'm not sliding his guitar ability at all. Um, and he is, he is lightning fast on the guitar to boot. So I'm, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Vernon Reed as a guitar player. In fact, they're still playing that to this day, the band is still playing. Oh yeah. Uh, about when CM Punk brought the song back, they performed him to the ring live on a big <laughs> show like in the last 10 years. That's it, awesome. It was incredible. Um, several months ago, there was something called the eighties cruise. It's just like eighties themed cruise, but they have like some of the original MTV VJs or your co-hosts on the, on the cruise and, and some other people. Well, I follow one of the VJs, Mark Goodman on Instagram. And he posted a video, and on the on that cruise, Living Color was playing on the cruise. And he posted a video on Instagram one night of Living Color when they were playing live, and they sound ridiculous. I mean, you know, this many years on, and they still sound. They were. He was. He actually showed a, a clip of them playing 
cult of personality and it was ridiculous how good it was still um so i don't slight them as musicians at all i don't slight vernon reed as a guitar player at all he's fantastic i just <laughs> i just have never connected to this solo the way jason did uh well, that's he, was one very, of the, he was very adamant about it too i will give that's one that. of the the great things about music and a lot of different forms of art um you don't have to be a i don't want to say a personal fan of something to appreciate how good that artist is sure right like uh while i'm not the biggest 80s music fan i can certainly see talent in a whole lot of these bands it's just their particular type of music just don't normally float my boat this is kind of the same thing, right? I'm not going to go out of my way probably to look up other solos by him, but I can't even sit here and deny that he's not one talented mofo. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I'm not sure talented. what the language, <laughs> I'm not sure what the language barrier is on this show. So I trimmed it back I, some. I love it. He's one talented. I, I, I can guarantee you that Vernon Reed has never been, has never been described as one talented mofo to his face. So he would probably enjoy yeah. that. You know, hey. <laughs> well, he's not met me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so number two on the list is Cult of Personality from Living Color, which brings us to our co-number ones. Uh, Jason and I went back and forth on these songs. Uh, like I said, we would fill the list up until number one, and then we would come to a consensus on number one and when we got to this one i said well and these are literally my words i said well number one can only belong to one to one band and i'll give you three guesses of who that is and jason guessed the band and i was like yep you're totally right and i bet you can guess a song and he was like yep and he named the song and it was not the song i was thinking of <laughs> <laughs> and i went wait what he was like, well, yeah. I'm like, no, it's got to be this. He's like, no, it can't be that. This blows up. I mean, so we literally went back and forth on this one for, man, days, literally days. Um, before you before you say it, sure, that's a real testament to who, because I know these songs, but it's a real testament to the band you're referring to that you can get into an argument over which one of Two of their songs is number one. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's because in your mind, you're like, well, this can only be one song. I mean, in Jason's right. mind, this can only be one song, but <laughs> it's exactly, two different songs. That's exactly what it was. That's what it came down to. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so funny. I mean, now in hindsight, it was just so funny that I was like, I bet you can guess a song. Yep, it's this. And I was like, nope, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so we went back and forth. For a couple of days, literally, um, I mean, we would send each other messages saying, are you ready to change your mind yet? Um, and finally, I just like, you know what? Let's just have co-number ones because you're not going to convince me that that your song is right. And I'm not going to convince you that you're wrong. So, And at the same time, could you picture the other song being not anywhere in the top 25? Well, and <laughs> this is what I told them. I said... Hey, you know, we could uh, we could bump "Living Color" down. And we could put yours at number two. And, <laughs> and he didn't like that. And literally, I'm not gonna lie, dude. When I was putting these notes together for this show, I was like, I could have my way. Nobody would be none the wiser. 
But uh, Jason, if you're listening from somewhere, anywhere, I didn't do it. Okay, your song's still up here at co number one. So uh, our co number ones, and I'm gonna play them uh, one at a time. But our co number one songs are "Sweet Child of Mine" and "Paradise City" from Guns N' Roses, um, which I think we covered. I think Jason and I covered this when we first started this, even for the '90s. Because um, we've had some, we had some feedback from people that were bothered by some of our choices. That uh, we're not saying that these guys on the list were the best guitarists of their, you know, whatever the '90s or the '80s. These just these solos are what we think are the best solos. Um, and so, I'll let you. So, of those two songs, Jason picked "Sweet Child of Mine," uh. and I picked "Paradise City." So. Let's start with uh, Guns N' Roses and Sweet Child of Mine. So, of course, this is from their debut album, Appetite for Destruction. Uh, This song is their only number one. It hit number one on the Billboard chart in September of 88. It stayed there for two weeks. Uh, And like I mentioned with uh, Living Color, this song was blaring out of dorm rooms every morning uh, my freshman year of college so that that September I was that was my freshman year of college <clears throat> and uh, this song either this song or cult of personality were blaring out of somebody's dorm room every morning when I was walking to the showers uh, that's the most that's the, probably the most vivid memory I have of this song it's just that it's, it reminds me of my freshman year of college um, but uh, so for some background behind the song, Slash, the guitar player Slash, for uh, he's the guitar player for Guns N' Roses, of course, um, says he came up with a riff one day in rehearsal. And he was just playing around with it on guitar. He thought it was silly um, and wanted nothing really to do with it. It was just a finger exercise. And But Axel Rose, the lead singer, fell in love with it and made him keep playing it. And while he kept playing it, their, the rhythm guitarist, Izzy Stradlin, added some chords to it. Uh, and then Duff McKagan, the bass player, and Stephen Allen, the drummer, j- joined in too. And before they knew it, they had a song, and it all came together in just this one rehearsal time that they had, as most hit songs do. <laughs> as most hit songs just happen that way. Um, Slash has always considered this the worst Guns N' Roses song of all. Um, not he's not a huge fan of it. Uh, but for his solo in the song, he breaks out the wah-wah pedal. I remember I said to keep that one list in mind. And this song lands at number three on the Guitar World's 2015 list of greatest wah-wah solos of all time. So he ends up in the top three with this solo. Um, the guitar solo is also ranked number 37 in Guitar World's uh, list of 100 greatest guitar solos of all time that they put out in 2013. Um, so this was Jason's pick. And, uh, while I don't slide it in the least, uh, it's a great solo, you know, slash what you have to, what you have to think about with slash and this album is that he was completely altered 90% of the time, Yeah, chemically altered 90% of the time. And he was able to play what you hear on this album. It's and, like me when I go bowling. I'm always better when I'm drinking. It's <laughs> it's the exact same thing. That's what I would have. That's yes. what, that's the that's the example I would have come up with too. 
this is a great solo. It's just got, you know, it's got a great feel to it. And, and uh, we, we've talked about not only in this list, but the 90s list. Uh, a, we've heard other guitar players say that a good, a, good, a good guitar solo is one that you can sing along to. And I bet if you were to listen to Sweet Child of Mine, you could probably sing along while he's playing the solo. Because A, you've probably heard it a million times. And it's just that kind of solo that you can sing along to. Um, so I don't I don't slight this this guitar. I don't not like this guitar solo. I just think there's another one on this album that's better than that. And uh, and so let's let's get to that song now. Um, my pick from Guns N' Roses was Paradise City. So this is the first song that the original Guns N' Roses lineup of Slash, Stephen Adler, Duff McKagan, Axel Rose, Eddie Strallen. This is the first song that they that they all wrote together, and they actually wrote it uh, in the back of a cargo van while they were driving to a, a gig one night. Um, it came they came together on a couple of acoustic guitars, and by the time they reached their destination, they had written this song again, as it always happens. <laughs> <laughs> when do you when do you write a hit song? When I'm in the back of a cargo van with five other guys, um, it reached number five on the Billboard chart, so it didn't reach number one. Uh, and there's actually been some dispute in the past as to whether or not Slash is actually playing the solos on this song um, because it it doesn't necessarily sound like his playing on the rest of the album. Um, but since those those rumors have happened, it not only he, but other band members and the, pro- the producer have, have all uh, verified that Slash is the one playing on this song. What I think sets this song apart from Sweet Child of Mine is at the end of the song, the last two, two minutes or so of the song are in double time when the song speeds up and they're just, it's just a, a frenetic they're just singing the, the the chorus over and over again, and behind that, Slash is just losing his damn mind, playing a, playing a solo, and it's just—I mean—it's nonstop from the time that that double time starts till the song ends. He is playing, he is soloing over all of that, and there are some licks in there that are just incredible, incredible licks. Um, and so, for me, that's what sets this song apart from "Sweet Child of Mine" is that entire two minutes of where he's just playing frenetically and nonstop and it's just they're just you know incredibly fast and bluesy and um you know just tasty little licks on the in that in that last two minutes of that song that's what sets this song apart for me over sweet child of mine um and that's what i could not convince jason of when we were talking about it well i'm gonna tell you these two songs um Guns N' Roses, when they come along, and I first got my first taste of them, is when my 80s music love, hair metal love, really kicked in. Right. <clears throat> Been Guns N' Roses since day one. Yeah. Um, but my attitude on these two particular songs has changed through the years. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Stone Age or not. No. But uh, it's from the 90s. Anyway, this one guy's talking about loving the song uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. Okay. From Blue Oyster Cult, set in yeah. the 70s. And his buddy's teasing him. And I'm not going to repeat his word that he used in the movie. I'm going to change it. He said, man, every band puts one song on their albums 
to see who the sissies are, you know, the, the people who like that song. Yes. So when in the early days, that's how I felt about Sweet Child of Mine, right? It was different yeah. on the album from everything else. I mean, because I was a big fan of, of obviously Welcome to the Jungle, but Paradise City and Rocket Queen was probably my third favorite. Yeah. It's So Easy and Mr. Yes. Brownstone and all these hard rocking hits. All the hits. hard ones, right. Yeah, and then here's Sweet Child of Mine. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> now, it sounded good, right? But it yeah. it didn't fit. It it would it does play the, out. Yes. You'd play the CD and it would get up to that song and you hit the forward button and go on past or i would right that's awesome but as time has went on in life and i've had kids and you pay more attention to the lyrics as you get older versus when you're just listening to the music when you're younger uh sweet child of mine has supplanted paradise city for me now i haven't really thought about it from the the solo standpoint right sure. and i'm not gonna pick one or the other here because but as a song as a whole, I was Paradise City number one for a long time. But these days, it's Sweet Child of Mine for me. Hmm. Maybe I picked the wrong guy to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> said, I'm not comparing the solos. I'm just sure. the song in general. No, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, I I was the same as you. I loved this album. I, I wore. I literally had to buy a second tape. Because I wore this tape out when I first bought it, and I and I was the same as you. I was more into you know Mr. Brown style and it's so easy, you know all the harder, all the you know, out to get me, all of those those. Oh were yeah. Best. And then like you, it would hit Sweet Child of Mine, and I would fast forward the tape because I was just you know the rest of it is just so good and so hard that you know sweet. You're right, Sweet Child of Mine does not fit on this album, but it's still a great song. It's still oh, yeah. an awesome song. Um, it just doesn't. I, I, but I, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. It just did not fit with the rest of the songs on this album, which is probably why it was the only number one song. It's like it's like a bottle of Bartles and James and a cooler full of Coors Light. It just don't quite <laughs> it fit. Does not, it does not look right in there. So, so anyway, those are those ended up being our two co number ones. Uh, I. I and honestly, I was amazed that we actually picked the same band to be number one. That, that's that was that was the amazing part. Whether we picked the same song or not, it doesn't really matter. It was our show, and we could do whatever we wanted to. Um, but I was really amazed that w I did not expect him to say Guns N' Roses when I said, "I bet you can name the band." He goes, "Guns N' Roses." Yep. And I bet you can name the song. Switch all the mind. Nope, that's wrong. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? No. You're ruining this. You're ruining the. You're ruining this best list of all. So anyway, that is. Those are our two co-number ones: "Sweet Child of Mine," "Paradise City" from Guns N' Roses, and that is our list of top twenty-five guitar solos of the '80s. Now we had started a honorable mentions list, and we were going to do it like after this. After we'd got done with the the full list, we were going to do an honorable mentions show. And if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you know that we have bonus songs at the end of the show. And so I'm going to put, I'm going to, I picked, we had a, we had 10 songs on our, on our honorable mentions, which was in hindsight is a lot of honorable mentions. Um, I'm going to pick three songs off of there. 
and play those as our bonus songs for this episode. The first one is really is one I put on there, and it's really kind of a, a anomaly. It's it's a Rick Astley song. <laughs> it's it's uh, it would take a strong strong man. It's got a, a nice little acoustic solo in the middle that it's just very tasty, and I've always thought it's just was it was just a, a just an a incredible guitar solo. Um, it's not overly technical. It just is. Um, it, it just it's just you just have to listen to it. It's it's that, that'll be our first bonus song, Rick Astley. Uh, our second bonus song is from Motley Crue, um, and the video that stayed on top of TRL for like two months on MTV, um, Home Sweet Home. Um, again, it's not the most technical guitar solo in, you know, in the, in the world, but it has got so much emotion and feeling in it when he's playing it. I, I, that's one, that's a, that's one of the one guitar solo that I can sing along to. Um, it's just, it's always been one of my favorites. And, uh, so that's going to be our second bonus song. The third one is we actually used it on our in season one um, in our soundtrack song list, but uh, Jason was still wanting to put it on the honorable mention list. And so the third bonus song is Purple Rain from Prince. Mm. He is just an incredible guitar player. Um, and if you get a chance, you need to look up Prince playing the solo for While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Um, that is, he, he walks out onto a stage full of guitar players and puts them all to shame. Yes. I have watched that video a hundred times. I have too. It is so delicious. I love that. Was was that at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, it was for, um, it was a memorial show for, uh, was it George Harrison? That's going to be. Yeah, maybe. It was a, it was a, it was a memorial show. Um, it wasn't for the Rock Hall, I don't believe. But, uh, I mean, people on stage are like uh, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynn from ELO. I mean, I can't remember who all is on that stage, but literally Prince just walks out and just lays it on the table and just puts them all to shame. But the solo in, in Purple Rain is just as as, as beautiful as that one is, too. And uh uh, we covered Purple Rain in our soundtrack list last season. So that'll be our third and final bonus song. Um, if you have Spotify Premium, which is what we've always recommended, stay tuned because you're going to hear those three songs in their entirety at the end of the episode. Uh, free Spotify users are going to be the same as always. You'll get about 30 seconds of the song, and then you're going to wish you had more. Uh, outside of Spotify, you can check out the Song Whip links in our show notes to get the uh, links to your to, to all these songs favorite music app so that brings us to the end this is it for the show i uh i considered we have i'm you know i'm i'm not even lying when i say we had at least three other seasons lined up ideas lined up and i i'm not even going to entertain doing that on my own um <clears throat> like i said at the beginning of the show most of the fun of this show was the banter back and forth with Jason and us telling stories from when we were younger. Um, and you can't, I mean, you just can't recreate that on your own. And I think it was lightning in a bottle. 
And so I'm not even going to dishonor what we've done <laughs> by trying to do it on my own. Um, and I think I said when I, when I put out the the little short uh, audio snippet about Jason's passing, he had to talk me into this show. I he, it was his idea. I liked it, but I didn't know if I wanted to do it or not. He talked me into it, and it probably was the best choice I've I've made in the past three or four years. Um, wow. We learned a lot about each other, and we also learned that we, when we were younger, we were the same person. <laughs> Just some of our history and some of our things that we had we had gone through, and and uh, some of our life experience, we were the same person. And I got, and you know, I joined the Retro Network um, because I I met Mickey, uh, and I met Jason along the way, and I got to know him really well doing this show, and. Uh, I don't think I ever want to soil that experience by doing this on my own or with anybody else. So this is it. This is the end of the road for the greatest lists podcast. Um, you can still find us at YouTube at greatest lists or on our website, greatestlistpodcast.com. Uh, we still have a Twitter account at greatest lists. I don't know how long those will stay up, probably in perpetuity until they get taken down, but uh, this is the last uh, new content that you're going to hear from us. So, uh, if you've if you've listened to us for any length of time at all, we appreciate you. Uh, we've we've got some feedback from 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 users every once in a while, and we loved it all, and we uh, we loved doing the show. It was a blast, and uh, we appreciate anybody and everybody that took time to download the show and listen to it. Um, so Mickey, I appreciate you being here and being my sounding board. Uh, it was a lot more fun doing it this way than just talking into the, the great black void <laughs> and not knowing yeah. if I was on the mark. So I appreciate you buddy for being here. Uh, oh, and I appreciate everything you've done. I mean, this show, Jason loved it. He used to talk behind the scenes to me a lot and, uh, talked about how much fun he had doing the show. And, you know, Jason and I, we recorded more than our fair show, share of shows together. And yeah. Um, you two guys together are just as entertaining and it's uh, sad to see it go. But yeah, it is. I understand. And, uh, just good job. I appreciate it. So for, uh, Mickey and for Jason and for me, we appreciate you. Uh, take care of yourselves. Peace and progress. You've been listening to the greatest lists.